Hello! Hello, and welcome back to Adjusting the Mic. <laughs> and welcome back to Belmont Bunch. Today we're, we're in the fallout of the end of the Barry Trotz era. Uh, very shockingly, uh, I, got a, I was working on finishing something for work early in the morning yesterday when I got a call from my friend Brad. And uh, he asked me what the hell was going on. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. And um, yeah, uh, <laughs> I was at a loss for words, which doesn't happen very often. I guess uh, I will start with the numbers and what happened under uh, Barry Trotz's time. Go into stuff that Lou said uh, and then uh, have a personal talk about Barry Trotz at the end. Uh, so, Barry Trotz, huh, 152, 102, and 34. That is from the New York Times. That is the Islanders' record under his tenure. Uh, I, I think that's not exact because I believe there were two or three games this year where he was not behind the bench. So, you know, that is their record under his reign. So, just to clarify that right out of the gate. Um 103 points straight out of not having Tavares, having, you know, basically a roster that everybody laughed at and said, like, this is going to finish last place, including me. Um, and he's able to take it to a first-round sweep of the Penguins. And it was a ridiculously fun regular season. Maybe the pinnacle, definitely the pinnacle from a regular season perspective of Barry Trotz's tenure with the Islanders, there weren't any of the caveats of shortened seasons with those asterisks. Um, 82-game season, the Islanders just did it. Probably a less talented roster than, like, I don't know, maybe the least talented roster he had. He still had, I mean, v uh, Val Filpola was still doing things. Uh, Leo, eh. um, they did have Taves, you know, still, uh, and Letty. Letty has not been good for a little bit, though, so I don't really put too much into that. But the defense had more talent, I guess, uh, definitely than this year. But, uh, yeah, 103 points, and it revived the franchise. Um, and, you know, the, the next two years, uh, a little bit more difficult in the regular season, really, really tough uh, circumstances. Um, but the circumstances kind of helped out the Islanders having those, uh, shortened season here where they were flailing, you know, uh, going into the quarantine break or whatever you want to call it, the NHL pause. And, uh, you know, they get into the play in bracket. Um, they beat Florida fairly easily. And then the surprises start with really kind of steamrolling the caps, um, what looked like they were going to steamroll Philly, who was the hottest team in the league at that point, the Islanders avoid blowing a 3-1 series lead and win that series. And then taking a Tampa team, you know, that's about to become, you know, one of the better teams I've ever seen um, to six in the, in the third round. And I think we were pretty happy with that. The next season, obviously, still with COVID, um, having a 56-game schedule, having it only played among certain teams, you know, regionally, uh, definitely, you know, uh, something to consider. Um, and the Islanders were pretty good. But again, you know, did do a good job of beating up on the bad teams. Uh, come playoff time, probably still questions about, hey, can they beat good teams? And they did. Um, 
they beat Pittsburgh in a series that the Isles uh, weren't fantastic, but Tristan Jari was awful. Um, but Ilya Sorokin was pretty good, so that helped. Um, and also the Boston series, a series I'm always going to remember as maybe the peak of Barry Trotz. Um, I didn't think they were going to win that series going in. They lose game one, didn't look very good, and they find a way. Just like in round one, they were down two games to one, win the series. You know, they uh, win the rest of the games in the series. And uh, I think that game six against Boston at home is the most treasured Barry moment I think I'll have. Just just the team, like, feeding off the crowd. <sighs> Unbelievable. Uh, and then, you know, again, falling one, one step closer to the cup, uh, one game closer. Um, last year, I think they would have won in the final if they got there. Uh, very, very difficult two years in a row to go out to the champs and probably put up the, the the best fight against the champs in both years. Although Florida Panthers, I see you in round one of last year. Um, and then this year was very difficult. Um, 84 points. Uh, definitely a disappointment. Definitely a disappointment. Missed the playoffs by a lot. But really, really, it was one of those, I, I saw one person put it as a Murphy's Law type of year. Anything that could go wrong did. Um, that's maybe an overstatement because the Islanders, in terms of man games lost, weren't super high. They were they were all right in that regard. Uh, I think the 13-game road trip is a fair criticism or a fair, you know, uh, excuse. And, um, you know, look, I don't think Barry had a great year. I don't think he utilized... I, look, it's a combination. Um, I don't think he should have used utilized Zdeno Char as much. Definitely not. Uh, I had issues with the way that Oliver Wallstrom was put up and down the lineup. In both of those cases, though, it's not all on Barry. Lou did not have a plan B for this team uh, after losing, after trading Devon Taves. Um, you know, they tried to trade Letty that first year. They couldn't. They knew they had to move somebody out to sign Barzal and and Bo and Sorokin and Pelik eventually. And, um, you know, they chose Taze, and it has burned them. And it kills me every time in the playoffs we watch him score. I'm happy for him, but it still kills me. Um, what else? Uh, yeah, so Barry not handed, I think, a, a fair deck this year. Uh, Oliver Wallstrom also needs to take his own responsibility a little bit for just not playing well this year. Uh, I know it's not easy to get moved around the lineup and I wish that he had had a more consistent spot, but the Islanders were playing with all the lineup the whole year. He was not the only one who was getting moved around because uh, the Isles really struggled to find what worked early on. And I think a part of that was uh, in Anders Lee's, uh, Andrew Lee's, Anders Lee's respect, uh, you know, getting back from that injury, still getting over, you know, probably maybe the fear of, you know, putting his body on the line again, uh, which I have no problem with, uh, you know, obviously towards ACL. So, um, and he was great in the second half and a lot of guys were really good in the second half. And I think it showed you, I think that Barry hadn't lost the team, but I can't say that for sure because there, I mean, there's rumors it's hard to take, put stock into rumors when, you know, Lou, one of the good things about Lou is that he runs such a tight ship and nothing gets out. And so it's speculation at this point 
for people to be saying that, oh, it was a friction between, you know, the players. Maybe the players told uh, Lou, uh, you know, uh, that they needed a new voice. Uh, and Lou's taking the bullet, you know, for, for the players. Because the that would look, the players don't want that. They respect Barry Trotz, even if they, even if they potentially wanted a new voice. Uh, my worry is I just don't know. You know, it seems like in all the chaos, and you can never predict Lou Lamorello, um, but that Lane Lambert has a shot at this, and that would be kind of weird for the comments that Lou made about um, wanting a fresh voice. Um, I guess, you know, Lane's a different voice, and I'm sure he would have his own coaching style, but it is interesting. It's It's still, I don't know a part of the Barry Trotz coaching staff. I do worry that we lose our goaltending coaches now, uh, Korn and Greco. Um, you know, for Varley, I guess I'm not as worried about that. He's a veteran. He's set in his ways. Um, fairly, I don't know, a Sorokin's not like a kid. He's 26. Um, I'm 26. I feel like a kid. Uh, but he, you know, ha- has, I mean, just gotten better this year. He was great. Um, so... Kind of hoping that the coaching, uh, Pellick and, and uh, Nelson and Dobson, guys that flourished under trots, um, really worried, really worried. Um, I think it, it's useless to really speculate about how the coaching change will affect those players in the moment because how could we tell? How could we possibly tell? Um, so it's one of those things. I know it's easy to have hot takes, but we might just have to wait until the regular season to see how it affects them. Um, but back to Barry Trotz, um, now for the, the, the personal stuff, um, I'm forever going to love Barry Trotz and, uh, thank him profusely if I ever see him for these four years. I know this year wasn't as good, but, uh, just to have stability, just to have a team that, I mean, this year, not as much, but you know, you knew every night was going to go out and was going to put everything on the line. Barry Trotz got every drop out of this team, every possible win he could get out of this team. I really, really, truly believe that. If you're going to tell me that playing Ajo or Salo would have put them into the playoffs, would have made up for a 19-point gap just over Zidane Chara, you're, no, absolutely not. I do not believe that. Would it have made them better? Yeah, probably, I don't know, a few points? Maybe not Ajo, probably not Ajo. Um... And that's a pieces thing. What pieces did he have? And that's why I'm angrier at Lou today. Um, and, you know, I think I'm, I'm glad that I waited a day. I mean, work kind of forced it that way, but uh, it did give me time. You know, I had some back and forth on Twitter. Um, and I don't know, it gives you a little bit more perspective, tells you what other people are thinking. Uh, I think it probably makes my take a little bit more nuanced um, because I do think that Barry um, had a bad year this year. Uh it took a long time to really figure out the lines and um, it took a long time to even start to, to, to play, you know, guys like Ajo or Salo um, over Chara, even though, again, I don't know how much of a difference it would have made over the whole season. And I do think that Salo having AHL time is useful. He's just coming in from overseas. I know he played professionally overseas, but I don't think there's a problem acclimating him to the North American game. Um, and truthfully, if Lou had just done a better job in the offseason of filling that left defense, um, then Solo would not have been 
the, the, there wouldn't have been this much talk around Solo. Um, and I think Solo was good, but not like a revolu- uh, revelation that you change your whole season over. And so I don't think you change his development as a player um, chasing a 19-point playoff gap. I know it wasn't always 19 points, but the Isles really struggled to stay in it this year. So, um, yeah, I'm always going to remember Barry. 18-19 uh, is probably – it's one of those – there's a couple years in my fandom – that are are always going to be like that was a year that we really you know uh, got going. Uh, I think of you know the lockout shortened thirteen season uh, and, and putting putting everything into that Pittsburgh series. I think of fourteen fifteen and the team you know just playing. I mean playing Capuano hockey, but playing with their hearts and uh, giving the Coliseum a send off. They would get another shot at that. Um, but I'm hurting today and this is not fun and I am not sure who I want to coach them next. I will say that, you know, if the, if it's, if the player rumor is true, then I understand. Um, who knows if, when we'll know that, if we'll know that, um, there was a tough poll yesterday. Somebody put out on Twitter about like, would you keep if, if, you, you can only keep one. It's Trotz or it's Barzal. And um, this Islander team is so deficient on talent. And I, I know that's really mean to say, but, like, look, until Kiefer and Wally can do it consistently, until I see a little bit more out of the fourth line, which Sezik has had a better second half, um, but not much else. Um, the top six took way too long to get going. Um, I, I really, the talent is not on par with playoff teams. And that needs to change this offseason. And with this firing, Lou has put himself now. There's no one, there's no other scapegoat if that's what happened. There's nothing else now. Lou has to knock this offseason out of the park. And I think that to start next year, if they start off crappy again and they didn't have a great offseason, I think Lou has to go. I think that's like a non negotiable. Um, that doesn't mean anything. I don't have any ownership stake, but I don't know. That's my thought. Um, yeah. So let me know what you think below. Um, you know, I, I'm really interested to hear what people think. I've seen a little bit of everything so far. And uh, yeah, let's let's uh, have a conversation. All right. Thank you all. Uh, goodbye. <laughs>